0: time the 49ers rush podcast and here's your host John Chapman
1: What is going on Faithful? Today is going to be an absolute blast because of who we got with us? Right next to me the man BD or Brian Peacock. How are we doing today, man? I'm doing fantastic, John. It's been a little bit. I
2: appreciate you inviting me back on our our last meeting here on your podcast actually ended with my current Twitter Twitter avatar. It's been there for for a little bit probably since that episode oh. happened. And Look at that it's me looking like, uh, I can't believe <laughs> what somebody is saying when it actually was me just having an allergy attack on your show. If you remember,
1: I'm sure I said something ridiculous, and uh, that's okay. Probably going to replicate. Perhaps we can create. That's the goal today,, uh, everybody in the chat. We've got to create a situation where Brian gets the best facial expression possible for another calendar year. yeah. And I think today kind of set the stage a little bit. Now, for those of you who don't know, Brian Peacock, Host of Locked On 49ers, Peacock and Williamson. Absolute baller. Uh, one of the hardest people working in the business, man. I don't know. I always feel bad asking you to come on the show because I know you do 10 shows a week. It, it's impressive.
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah, I do a lot of podcasting, but it's uh, it's it, it's a blessing. I love it. Uh, a lot of dad duty as well. And uh, I'm able to carve out my own schedule too. So it allows me to do things like this. I don't have, like you know, like the normal nine to five hanging over my head where I can only fit this much time in. So so it actually gives me a lot more time in a lot of ways because of what I do, which is awesome. And I can kind of set things up the way I want them to.
1: I like it. I like it. Now, today, a lot of bombshell dropped. Uh, A lot of them, well, I don't even think it was really all that, Revelatory, but we're going to limit some quarterback talk. We got to jump into it a little bit, but it's going to be limited. Big Papa says, Is there a way we can limit the quarterback controversy that doesn't exist? So, just right off the bat, here we go. We've got to talk about this. And Hind brings in the comment Brian, how do you feel about Sam Darnold and Trey Lance? The mention of both are going to get first team reps. I don't think they're going to be splitting, I think technically splitting, but the comment said, They're both going to get some first-team reps.
2: Yeah, and I think that's key because I I didn't come away feeling like that 50-50 reps is what the situation Mm -hmm. was and, and definitely not what it calls for, in my opinion, because it's a big difference between Trey Lance being QB1 or being QB three, like that's, that's huge. He, you know, and if he's closer to QB three than he is QB one, then that's a huge red flag that the the 49ers are already telling us something big there. And I don't think that's necessarily the case. I think uh, Sam Darnold's a safety net and getting a few first team reps here and there doesn't mean he's actually splitting it. And it's a 50 50 competition between Trey Lance and Sam Darnold. And and it definitely should not be that way. And and that's not the vibe I got. And maybe I'm wrong and maybe I'm not reading the situation correctly, but um, I didn't take what Kyle and John said, this week at the owners' meetings to mean that it is a straight-up competition for number two. I think it's really clear that they laid it out, and it was – if the season started today, it's Brock Purdy, healthy, quarterback one, and Trey Lance is behind him too, and then just in case is what uh, what Sam Darnold is, especially with all that we've seen the 49ers go through and having a veteran on the roster because Trey Lance and and Brock Purdy combined haven't played a full season of NFL football. So they needed a veteran, and they found a guy that they liked – you know, his ability um, to come in that started games in the NFL that didn't cost him an arm and a leg. But if he plays a lot, he'll get paid, you know, more accordingly to be in a high end backup that he is. Right. Um, so I think Sam Darnold's the clear three here. And I didn't read into it as being a Trey versus Sam Darnold 50-50 split with the reps just because Sam Darnold gets a few reps. But. Again, with this football team, I don't think you should ever be shocked if it's Brock Purdy week one, if it's Trey Lance week one, or if it's Sam Darnold week one, or if it's QB4, who we haven't met yet, who's going to be on the roster because you need that third camp arm since Brock Purdy's not going to be able to open camp throwing the ball regularly with the 49ers. So um, who knows? Maybe it's the next Brock
1: Purdy. Oh, yeah. And th- th- there's going to be fun. And I want to jump into that a little bit. But before we move on, I want to talk a little bit uh, about some Sam Darnold talk. But before we do that, I want to kind of nail you down. Sorry. Pick who you think. If you had to guess right now, who is starter week one, snap one, first offensive series? Who, in your opinion, is going to be that guy under center?
2: <laughs> so I think it's going to be Trey Lance. And I don't think Trey Lance even has to be amazing for that to happen because i think he's gonna start with a lead and he'll either extend that lead or keep that lead over sam darnold throughout the spring and summer and then brock there's such a high chance that brock purdy wouldn't be ready and available and have practiced enough to play week one and you got to see it through with trey lance in that scenario so trey lance to me is the most likely but then i think there's also a percentage chance that trey lance is traded at some point you know, during the draft, into which case that changes everything because he's not even on the roster. So, uh, if he's on the roster and he makes it through and he's not traded, Trey Lance uh, is the guy that I'm going to put out there uh, because I just don't know that Brock Purdy's six month timeline is going to put him in a position to even be able to play in Week One. And and I, I think it's an opportunity. I kind of want to see it play out that way, right? Because I want to see Trey Lance get a true shot, just so we know. Because if you go into the season and it's Brock Purdy, you'll really never know what Lance could have been. And then by that time, Trey Lance is, you know, his, his values completely shot. You're not going to be able to get anything in trade. If he doesn't, if he can't beat out Mr. Irrelevant for a, for a starting job. And especially if he can't beat out Sam Darnold with what we've seen in, in his career. So then, you know, it's pretty much over for Trey Lance and the 49ers at that point, and he'll end up on another roster in 2024 and, You know, maybe get a chance to start his career over. He's still pretty young, but he'll just have not played enough football for you know. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy to think how different a world it was the last time Trey Lance played a full season of football. It was 2019. It was pre-pandemic. Like that, that felt like age. I feel like I've aged at least a decade since then. Since yeah, a little gray coming in. You and me both, man. Dude, you have a (laughs) pandemic all at the same time
1: in order, right? And it's just like.
2: Uh, and plus, I let's like be honest. The
1: Niners don't offer any drama whatsoever in your daily content that you cover. It's all smooth sailing.
2: It's insane. <laughs> I mean, in a lot of ways, thank you John and Kyle for giving us this endless content all offseason long, every offseason. It can't be easy with the 49ers. And you know, they're a they're a uh, they're an awesome team to cover because they're a global audience. And you see it with, you know, I mean, see, look how many people are, are in your live chat right now talking about the 49ers. You know, there's so many passionate fans. It's such a great fan base. I grew up watching a bunch of, uh, you know, titles happening with the 49ers. They're uh, they're a big market, big money football team in the NFL, and they're a good team. They've been to the NFC Championship game and in the Super Bowl, three out of five, four or five years. It's just, um, it's, a, it's an unbelievable team to cover, and they're giving us so much with this quarterback stuff every offseason. And it's unbelievable. And it's unbelievable how different it can be every off season, even though it's the, it's the same, but different.
1: Right now. Now here's the thing that, you know, Brian, everybody, you've been doing this for a minute and I appreciate what you do for the community. Now I'm going to be a little selfish here. Your shadow draft. Uh, I know it's kind of retired, but um, your shadow drafts back in the day were some of my favorite stuff that you ever really put out. I freaking love that stuff. I ate it alive. And I still get emails, and they'll say, like, oh, BD had this guy. And, like, it's awesome because the community just 100% just, like, demolishes every single thing that you put out there, which is great. Where were you on Sam Darnold? If you had to go back in your time machine and it was the Rosen, Darnold, and all those guys, were you high on him coming out of USC? Football season may be over, but the action on the floor is heating up. Whether it's tournament season or fight for home playoff court, there's no shortage of high-stakes basketball moments this time of year. Get in on the excitement with Prize Picks, America's number one fantasy sports app where you can turn your hoops knowledge into serious cash. And Prize Picks even offers injury insurance so that your entries stay in play even if one of your players get injured for basketball games. If you have a player who exits the game in the first half and does not return in the second, that player projection won't count against you and the rest of your entry stays live. There's lots of bets. Stephen Curry over 27 and a half points. Draymond Green will he make one 3-pointer or no? Very easy things to bet. Download the app today and use code 49ers for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, download the Prize Picks app today and use code 49ers for a first deposit match up to $100. Pick more, pick less, it's that easy. After the holidays, a little cash goes a long way. The Chime checking account has tons of benefits to help, like fee-free overdraft up to $200 for eligible members, no monthly fees, and thousands of fee-free ATMs. You can even get paid up to two days early with direct deposit. Sign up for Chime today at chime.com goals24. Banking services and debit card provided
2: by the Bancorp Bank NA or Stripe Bank NA members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Out of network ATM withdrawal fees may apply. Access to direct deposits up to two days early depends on the timing of the submission of the payment file from Bayer. I was high on Sam Darnold. I was actually critical of the Giants for taking a running back over a potential franchise quarterback in Sam Darnold. And look, they haven't won a ton of games with, with, with Saquon Barkley either, even though Saquon Barkley's been a, a better player than Sam Darnold has, obviously, than Sam Darnold was for the Jets. Um, uh, I liked Sam Darnold. I didn't love him. I I've always been a little, and this is part of the Trey Lance thing too, which I was really kind of blown away. The 49ers made that move in 2021. When you really, when you really laid it out and you didn't put names to it and everyone loves Trey Lance and he's a good dude. And you know, people have their number five jerseys, but when you take the names out of it, and you just explain what Sam Darnold was. You know, you can see why you would draft him high and he had talent, but it wasn't otherworldly physical ability, and he only was really good for one year. And that's what really kills me with any of these. I, I get really worried when I only see a prospect play one year of college.
1: You're football. the Bill Parcells school of thought.
2: That's not man. even because Parcells is crazy. Like, you can't even get a Parcells prospect. <laughs> <laughs> Brock Purdy understand. was a Brock Purdy was a Parcells, uh, but that's the thing is you don't get a Parcells guy. Who's the top of the first round guy because nobody stays for four years and nobody plays that much. And, you know, uh, and so all these underclassmen coming out, but you need to me, I would have a sort of a, an altered Parcells commandments when drafting quarterbacks. And I would need at least two years of starting experience. I think two that's years. really key just to go through that, go through multiple off seasons as the guy, you are the face of that college franchise basically. And look, it's minor league football. That's how I treat college football as minor league football. And they're getting paid, you know, more than minor league baseball players are at this point. So, um, but it's, it, you got to play ball and you got to be a leader and go through what it's like to be the guy for a franchise and not just win a bunch of games. Cause your team's better than the other team. And you played one year of, of ball. And when you explain what Trey Lance is, and just take the names out of it and you say okay here's a prospect that played for the alabama of division one double a and his and and especially now we know how good we already knew how good that team was because they won titles before trey lance and they won with trey lance and his numbers were ridiculous and his tape was good and he's obviously athletic and had all the traits and that's all fine but when when you explain who he is and where he played and all of that and you look at the 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 talent that they were going up against every week with that team. And he had a half a dozen NFL players on just his offense.
1: Yeah, i almost gone and graded three of them this year that he played yeah. with, a tight end, a tackle, and yes. a fullback. Right, and then last year, a top 40 wide receiver
2: in Christian Watson, who was a stud for him, and he stood out. To, when I watched Trey Lance, I was like, who's number one? I was really yeah, excited he's, about he's, him. He's a buff dude. Yeah, and so he's a dude. Um, a, a second, another, Two other offensive linemen that were drafted high one uh, in the second round and another one, I think in the fourth round last year, Cordell Volson, right. It was a fourth rounder, maybe maybe. Um, so like there's a half a dozen NFL guys and Trey Lance going against most yeah. defenses that didn't have a single NFL guy on it. Playing so against me. It was we're almost playing
1: against me out there.
2: Right. It it was like, um, well, maybe not even come on. <laughs>
1: I appreciate that. Yeah, you got a first <laughs> on. Uh
2: You're a D1 guy, not D1 AA. Um, I'll take it. I'll so take. It. It's just when you explain that, and then you okay. Now, so there's that. So he was, you know, just the level of competition. His team was so much better than everybody else's teams in college. So that was kind of easier, maybe than it should be in some ways. Um, then you say, okay, well, now he's got to take the extra step up. So now he's skipping you know, D1, Power 5, SEC, straight to the NFL. So now I got to get used to that. Now competition is so much better. Speed of the game is, that's a huge jump already going from 1AA to the NFL. And then you look at, okay, so we only started for one year. And here's the kicker, is that year he started in college wasn't even the year before the draft. It was the year before. So that's one of the things when you're looking at tape and you kind of trick yourself because time-wise, you're not looking at, you're not looking at that fall. You're looking at two falls ago when you're looking at Trey Lance, just leading up to the draft. And, and so, it wasn't
1: like he held out either. It, it was COVID and they COVID. changed their whole season. Like it had nothing to do with Trey. Right. It's just that he was a victim of circumstance. It wasn't
2: his fault at all, but you have to factor in all of those things that the, the tape you're looking at isn't even this year's tape. That
1: was last year's
2: tape and he didn't play this year. So that's a year off. And then you're going to say, okay, so we drafted this unique unicorn of a prospect. That's never happened. I, I, the only player that I could come up with, and, and in the chat, maybe someone can come up with another one, or John, maybe you've got one. The only player I could come up with that was that has ever been drafted, and not even not even drafted in the first round, drafted period ever. A quarterback that didn't start for the, the season before his draft class. Matt Castle is the only Ooh. one that I could come up with. He was a seventh-round pick behind historically great USC offense and Matt liner top 10 pick. And he was the backup there. He was a seventh round pick. I can't think of another guy, let alone top three pick in the draft, let alone first rounder drafted period who didn't play the season before he was drafted. That just doesn't happen. So this is a unicorn of a prospect. And the thing he needed the most with his development was reps. And the plan is to sit him for his first year. And then next year, he, you know, unfortunately again, not no pro no fault of Trey Lance's. He gets hurt week two and so he misses the second year and then now you're stacking year upon year upon year upon year of not playing and no reps and it puts him in such a weird place i've never seen a career arc like trey lance's and he was a unique prospect to begin with and then sticking him on the 49ers with everything else we've seen and then the, the the ridiculous brock purdy story out of nowhere uh as the last pick in the draft i mean this is just unbelievable it's you could not even make make up the storylines that have happened with the San Francisco 49ers quarterback and we haven't even talked about Jimmy G.
1: No, and we're going to be seeing him. He's going to be the first quarterback the Niners see yeah. with the joint practices just announced in Las Vegas, um where they're going to have, you know, a preseason game but also the joint practices. I think that's going to be hilarious, but I promised we would not do a lot of quarterback talk, so we are going to shift now if you don't mind, Brian. I got a question from David um, and this was kind of a, a two part question, but number one, the 49ers currently have 11 draft picks, pretty solid roster. I think they have 64 players currently signed. If you were the GM, are you on the philosophy that we need more quality picks or are you wanting 11 dart throws, regardless of where they are third round and later, if you were building this team through the draft, what is, what do you think your approach should be? Should they be aggressive and trade up for quality or kind of sit tight and just take as many chances as you can?
2: I would be mobile for sure. I, I I don't like the idea of being clustered in the third round. What are the odds that you really love three players within four draft picks? Between They're going to say they love mama. them all. In 102, right? <laughs> yeah. What are the odds? That it's like, oh, good. There's only three guys here that we really love, and we have them in their tier by themselves, and those are the three guys we're going to take in a row right here. Uh, and then you have such a huge gap in the fourth round and then to the fifth round where there's another cluster of picks and then you know more picks in the seventh round. Uh, go up 10 picks, go up a dozen picks and, and get a guy in the third round. If there's somebody there that you think is worth getting. And I, and I thought the 49ers missed that opportunity last year hmm. when they sat there and drafted a running back in the third round, go get yourself an offensive lineman 10 picks earlier. Right. And um, if, if that player's not there, you're not giving away picks for no reason, but I, I would, I've done one mock draft so far this off season, a seven round 49ers mock draft. And what I did was I moved up from 99 and down from one Oh two to get rid of both of those gaps so you can you know you can earn a pick back by moving down as well from the third round so you can go up and go down so then i was picking at an 88 and or yeah 88 i think it was 11 picks instead of 99 and then picking uh, 120 130 whatever something in the fourth round as well just to spread those picks out a little bit so picking earlier third picking at 101 then picking in the fourth again and then you're picking in the in the fifth round so you're not so bunched up in in those places and in in, in being a little bit more mobile in the draft, I think would be smart and, and make the draft work for you. And I'm, I'm always all about that. And the 49ers at this point, there's not 11 spots to be made on that roster. So no, last the year, they so, got
1: lucky. They only one guy didn't make it that they drafted, mm-hmm. you know, that was Tariq Castro fields. I think six round, uh, he landed on the commanders, but every other person that was drafted made the roster at some thing. So question, you you just said no way. 11 guys make this team. So, are you continuing, and I think it's kind of a twofold answer. Are you continuing this red shirt philosophy? What positions do you look at on the current 49ers roster that you say, man, you've got to address this position for you're drafting somebody that can play this position now? Are there any positions that stayed out to you where like, man, you got to get draft help for 2023 this year for these spots?
2: I think they do need depth in the secondary. So I think that's necessary. I think depth at linebackers also necessary. And both of those positions play a lot of special teams. So, uh, you know, Jordan Willis is gone. he was a special teamer for the 49ers. So I think special teams, guys who can play now in depth pieces for the roster who could play a role at some point during their rookie seasons. But I think... For the most part, and we've seen around the NFL, even guys who make the roster as rookies, more impact happens year two, three than than year one. So you want to be looking ahead. Uh, And when you look at the offensive line, they've got needs now. They got needs in the future, especially at offensive tackles. So, you know, it's tackle for me all the way as need number one. And who knows, it's hard to say a third round rookie would come in and start, but we saw a fourth round rookie last year and Spencer Spencer Burford come in and and start games. And so uh, if that's where I'm talking about, if there's the right guy and you think the end of a tier is happening in the third round, go get that offensive tackle because you have a a needed tackle now to compete. You have a, a needed swing tackle to compete there. And. Trent Williams might not be around for all that long. So you have a need in the future as well uh, on the other side at offensive tackle. So you need depth and you need potentially a starter. And if you can find that in this draft, I think you got to try to go attack that, but linebacker DB um, in multiple spots. I mean, they don't have a back true backup free safety really right now coming into the season. So he owed
1: him, but we saw him for like two drives and they both went really bad real quick.
2: And there's, you know, and a lot of youth, that we don't really know what kind of players they are in the secondary behind the starters, and then a lot of short contracts as well. So, uh, yeah, safety is a big one. Outside corner, uh, you know, maybe probably nickel feels okay now with Oliver and Sam Womack because I like both of them. Uh, you know, but some versatility maybe in the secondary. There, there are some needs for the 49ers, and I'm sure they're going to come out of this draft with a kicker because I don't think Zane Gonzalez. <laughs> uh, you know, Zane Gonzalez is fine, and I, I like that they've added some of these players Dude, and brace for it because not only are they going to draft a kicker it might be a pick 102 they oh, might man. not leave day two without a kicker right yeah that like that's what i like about the zane gonzalez move because it didn't cost him anything he might not make the roster and that conditional pick goes away uh it, it basically they they've done a good job of adding really inexpensive parts to, to give them some depth in, in a lot of places so they're not forced into doing something specific, which is where bad things can happen in the draft and forcing picks because of need. Uh, and I'm I'm really happy about that at kicker, so they don't have to sit there in the third round because you know how the 49ers are, you know how competitive they are. We saw them do it with with punter a few years ago. Like, well, we need this position, and we're afraid that somebody's going to take the one guy we like the most.
1: And, and he always says we didn't think anybody else could make our roster at that point, so right. that's why we did this. He said that <laughs> today
2: too. He said well, that he today. Said, he said that in 2019, which was ballsy because they had his second pick in the draft that year. They were the yeah. second worst team in the entire NFL. He's like, I, I don't know if we got any spots for anybody. And then it turned out they went to the Super Bowl so he's kind of right uh they're a lot better than we thought in 2019 uh but w- when you when you look at kicker if the 49ers went into the draft and didn't have a kicker you could really easily see where they would say man we've got this big gap between third and fifth round someone might take a kicker in the fourth round so we just got to take them right now and now they don't really have to do that because they got zane gonzalez they know they have a kicker they don't have to force it and they could draft the guy and i'm sure you know fifth, seventh round, I'm sure they'll draft a guy or, or at least bring in an undrafted kicker.
1: I'd be cool with a seventh. I, I Fifth, I'm like, ah, oh, whatever. And then third, I'd be like, what the, like, I don't know. I, I I get kickers are valuable. I just don't know, man. And, you know, to stick with your, your kind of what you just said while ago, we saw the same thing at Edge Rusher last year. Remember they signed Kamiko Ture like three days before the draft. And so it seemed like it alleviated they could just go with whoever the hell they wanted in the second round. But sure enough, they went edge with Drake Jackson, and then Kamiko never really played. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it alleviates, like you said, the desperation knee pick um, to where you can just kind of go with the flow, which, you know, whenever I post anything about, you know, mock drafts or who should the 49ers pick, the first and second comment is always best player available, BPA. But the Niners don't tend to do that. It seems like their early picks are all o line, D line, or a position of need. Do you, do you agree that that will continue, or do you see them maybe doing something a little different this year?
2: Yeah, that that's pretty much been their their mo. So I, I would expect them to target those those need positions we talked about, even though they've got bodies there. So you know there might not be as much desperation. That's a good word. Uh, for, for what they've taken away with some of these signings. And, yeah, a lot of these guys could potentially not even make the final 53, depending on what the rookies look like, depending on how things go. And, you know, if things, they don't like the way the roster shapes up after the draft, they could also, you know, go back into the the free agent market in the summertime before camp and, and find somebody else that's maybe a bigger name that's still out there, uh, basically like Tashawn Gibson was for basically free. They got a starting really good safety for nothing. And so you can find those players out there in the summertime too that didn't get signed. Uh, the rest of the offseason. So it got it
1: was, weird right there. And yeah. he jumped in and just, he had the most snaps of any player on the defensive side of the ball for the 49ers. It was so, so weird. Just rock
2: solid, always in the right place. It was, I was blown away. And the other, that's the other thing too about safety is that was the position we were worried about. And the and part of it was, man, a complete unknown. Maybe could be a liability in coverage in Hufanga, Don't really know what he's going to be. And then Jimmy Ward with his injury history, if he gets hurt, you know, where the 49 ers going to be. And that scenario played out and the 49ers were great at safety. Fongo was awesome. Uh, You know, he did have some problems and, and I think his press clippings might be even better than he actually was, even though he was really good. Uh, But Tayshaun Gibson comes in and the 49ers are fine and they've kind of been great at safety, even with Jakowski Tart. And part of it's because of how good they are up front, how well coached the defense is, but Tart was a starter, really good player was like, man, losing chart, it's going to be a tough one. And he could barely find a job. And he was awesome on the 49ers. So everybody that plug in at safety is great. So maybe we
1: just stop worrying about safety because no matter (laughs) who you put back there is good. I remember everybody being – you talked about the third-round Ty Davis price pick. Everybody was upset. We were doing a live draft in Vegas where, like, uh, we were covering it live, and we had a huge party, which was really, really cool. Everybody was pissed. Everybody was furious at the draft party we were throwing, and it was because they all wanted a safety. They didn't even draft a safety. They didn't touch the position. Um, I don't know. It, it was interesting. We got a question here from Josh, 49ers Faithful Forever. He says, Brian, who is your draft crush this year? Not sure how much you dove into the film, but is there somebody that you're just like, I, I like this guy way more than everybody else?
2: Yeah, I'm not really i haven't seen enough prospects and gone deep enough with enough to have a, a true like draft crush where we're at uh just looking around at some of the players that i think could be available around the pick 100 area where the 49ers are drafting there late in the third round i mean blake freeland's an obvious one just because he's so athletic at, at tackle would seem to be a good fit with the 49ers projectable upside could be a potential starter at either tackle spot Uh, i like that i i really a lot of 49ers fans like Blake Freeland he's he's been a popular name for 49ers fans and i i also don't think he's going to sniff pick 100 uh, you know i think he, i see him there in a lot of mock drafts i think he's going to go closer to pick 50 than pick 100 that's just a, that's just my opinion but if he was Thank somewhere you. around there and that's the player i had the 49ers moving up a dozen picks to grab in my mock draft because i think they would have to they would have to be aggressive to go get their offensive tackle cuz it's going to be tough to to find a guy that's got those traits that that fall there late into the third round and uh a guy the guy that's getting no pub i'll give you a couple more names two guys that were combine snubs that haven't got a lot of pub yet one is carl brooks out of bowling green uh, i think he's a perfect three technique fit for the 49ers now they don't have much of a need for defensive tackle anymore because that mock draft i did uh that was before free agency and i was completely shocked that they went and, and paid Javon Hargrave, who I love, is a fantastic signing, perfect fit for the 49ers and what they need. So suddenly they're really deep and really good at defensive tackle. And, you know, he's got some flexibility, but I really like Carl Brooks. Might not be the, you know, the the biggest need for the 49ers at this point uh, for a bigger, you know, big end or three technique defensive lineman. But I'll I'll give you one more name on day three out of the Hornet out of Sacramento State. Marte Mapu, uh, it's kind of a safety linebacker hybrid, but that's how the 49ers like their linebackers dude is athletic dude reminds me a little bit of you know everything that the 49ers have there Dre Greenlaw and and you know I don't want to put those names on him like Greenlaw and Fred Warner but that's the type of athlete he is that's the type of prospect he is uh you know 217 pound safety that's going to play linebacker i think in the nfl that flies around makes plays can move around can cover tight ends can cover running backs modern day linebacker and built the way the 49ers like their linebackers and he's a local kid playing down the road in sacramento so uh, i think that means sacramento state players can go to the 49ers local pro day too but even though he's a con- combine snub, I want to see how he works out. And I have a feeling some teams really like him a lot more than he's getting uh, publicity for right now. But Marte Mapu out of Sacramento State is a good one for the 49ers on day three. If they want to keep that that uh, that consistent flow of fifth-round starting caliber players, I think he would be one.
1: And that, like, that's the thing. Like, You talk about the positions. You talked about a defensive tackle. You talked about a, an offensive tackle and a linebacker. The Niners are loaded at some of these spots where it's just like, good gosh! You look at the linebacker spot and they got Marcelino McCrary Ball from last year. He he got the biggest signing bonus of any of the undrafted free agents. Curtis Robinson made the initial fifty-three man roster last year. You remember they put him on IR and then brought him back and kind of wasted one of their eight, yeah, um, whatever. But like, so my question, you know, the Niners redshirt players and the undrafted players kind of fall into this. Is there any second-year sophomore player that perhaps we haven't seen much of? Taylor Hawkins, Quantrez Knight, that that's kind of my guy. Um, is there somebody that you could see stepping up and pressing, like we saw Emmanuel Mosley be an undrafted free agent, get a job, Aziz free agent, get a job, all these different guys. Is there somebody in their second year that you're excited to see kind of their development this year?
2: Yeah, I got a good scenario for you, and this is on the offensive line. And it's Jason Poe, who was one of my favorites last year in camp. Love seeing the way he moves around. What if, in the end, it it doesn't end up being Colton McKivitz and Spencer Burford who kicks out the tackle, and Jason Poe ends up being the guard for the 49ers, coming out of nowhere from the practice squad. Uh, he was a really good practice squad player for the 49ers last year. I was surprised that he didn't get snatched up by another team when they tried to put him on waivers. And John Lynch said that he was one of the guys that they were sweating a little bit and, and didn't know if he was going to make it. Uh, and he did make it to their practice squad. So he, he's a really interesting one for me to take a big year two leap. I think there's a lot of guys that that could be that Drake Jackson, of course has to be a big one. Uh, I see in the chat here, Sam Womack as well. Absolutely. The 49ers could have a really good sophomore class actually, because um, you could be talking about multiple starting caliber players there that, that, that come from that to go with uh, uh to go with spencer burford who's already starting last year for the 49ers and obviously his path is clear to not have have anybody like like daniel brunskill breathing down his neck for any starts either so um yeah burford to to right tackles an interesting one there that I, I think has a real possibility and, and maybe that's a, a sneaky plan that the 49ers are going to try or at least give them some looks there to see if that's a possibility because doesn't it feel like john that they're a little bit too cool with letting their starting right tackle, leave in free agency and not really do anything obvious to to replace him?
1: There's a lot of bodies at the tackle position, right? Jalen Moore, Colton McGivitts, they've been in the system. Mm-hmm. They've kind of both gotten starts. Nick Sakel's done some tackle work, but I don't think he's going to be in that mix. And then you bring in, they just signed um, the, what was his name, Pryor, Matt Pryor mm-hmm. out of TCU. Um, so, like, they've got bodies, but I would argue not a lot of quality. It, 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 it scares me but I go back to when McGlinchey got hurt. I think it was 2021 and Tom Compton came in and it was just like, there was no drop-off. There was, there was no yeah, drop-off. He was
2: like a really bad beginning. Like it was either a right. half a game or right at the beginning. It was like, Oh no, this is going to be a disaster. And all of a sudden it's like, okay, no, it's going to be okay. <laughs> and then, uh, Offensive lines. One of those where if you find a tough, smart guy that has like just the base level, you know, physical ability, but he's really tough and smart and, you can you can get by there so maybe that's what the 49ers are just hoping for like look we're going to be tough and smart here's a here's a question i have for you john oh i like it does it seem like the 49ers are really shifting and this has been ongoing now for a while but you're starting to like add these up year after year now with aaron banks and with matt Pryor and feliciano they're getting bigger and heavier on the offensive line are they going to get totally away from the old school outside zone light quick
1: shanahan offensive lineman Man, I used to be able to just, like, literally with a Sharpie. Ah, not watching his film. Not yep. watching his film. Nope. 330 plus, you're out of here, buddy. Uh, but now, you can't do it. And it, it does seem like, even with the running backs, because it, it was a transition that's taken place with the linemen, and now you're getting away from those 4-3 speed guys, and you're getting Ty Davis Price, Trey Sermon, You know these bigger-bodied kind of, you know, chain movers, and then, I think this all kind of coincided with the move to Trey Lance because they were wanting to move to this. Hey, we're going to be a power zone team, if that makes sense. But also keep the same tenets of the Shanahan scheme. I don't know. It's it's a little hybrid. I, I don't think we're going to be going straight to a gap scheme, though. Uh I but they're,
2: <laughs> they're they're clearly leaning in that direction or trying to accomplish something by being bullies, right? And I think that's pretty obvious. But at the same time, it's not working because. The little guys are still the better running backs and the two thirty pounders that they're drafting in the third round aren't making an impact at all. Uh, Jordan Mason undrafted still 220, you know, is a nice thumper and it's kind of looking at him as the closer for this backfield. But then they bring in Chris McCaffrey's 205. Right. And so uh, and then they, they draft Aaron Banks and then they're like, oh, yeah, but actually we don't like you we want you to change your body completely and be lighter and quicker on your feet. It was like, what what are you doing? So it's like they they
1: are, but they kind of want the wide frame. Yeah. They want the wide frame. Then they want to put them on weight watchers. (laughs) They want the best of both worlds, man. Yeah. That's, that's,
2: that's exactly what it is. And so it's funny because still the, the more nimble athletic guys are still the ones in the running game that are that are winning out and it's the bigger heavier guys that that, uh, that that aren't working out as well for the 49ers and we even saw that with javon kinlaw they got the yeah. biggest guy they could there and then he's smaller than he was before last year and, and still can't get it going but that's you know for some other reasons as well consistency is a big problem but you know obviously it's injuries with him it's not necessarily size so all right it's, it's really weird they're trying to do something and i don't know if they if it's if it's completely working um but It's almost to this point where I don't know what type of offensive lineman or running back they want. I know what kind I think they should be wanting, but I don't know what kind they actually do want and will draft.
1: It's funny. I'm going through – I'm doing my interior offensive line right now for draft work, and I've already done all my profiles, but now I'm ranking them vertically. And I have – I totally have, like, Trent Baalke PSD because I'll be looking at their arm length, and I'm like, nope, okay, he didn't fit back then. Nope, he's too heavy, won't fit now, like – it's it's like I've got all this like trauma from my past GM relationships <laughs> that like you see these filters of these players and it just they fit with some schemes and they don't fit with others. But now, man, Shanahan's changing trends. And so we'll see. Just means we get to watch more film. Right, Brian?
2: Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's really just wild to see the the direction they've gone in and. I don't know if I can pinpoint, and and I wish I love the 49ers beat reporters too, but I wish they would ask John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan more specifically about their process in the draft and why they're so good in rounds five through seven, but really pedestrian as far as hit rates go with with earlier picks, whereas they should be getting better. Like you can't, we talked about this with, with Rand Carthon and um, I I talked to uh, Tyler uh, Roland, who does the locked on Titans podcast. And he's like, you know, tell us about ramp Carthon. And he's like, you know, what's he going to bring over? And he's like, well, I think the 49ers have a good system and you know, there's a lot to to like about the 49ers and the way they built their roster and their team. But at the same time, you can't write the book of how to build a roster the way the 49ers have done it. Hmm. Like do completely weird crap at quarterback trade picks and spend money on quarterback only to have a so sem- radic be the best it's guy not consistent you have to be historically great in rounds five through seven where most people have trouble finding guys who can make a roster but we have to be great there and find starters and you can be spotty in the early rounds like you just can't re- write the handbook that way that's you, you can't emulate it at all and i worry that the 49ers would potentially that well would run dry and I don't want to call it luck because they're doing something right in the late rounds. But what if they, all of a sudden they, for a couple drafts, they don't hit with those later picks? And like this year, that's all they have is the later
1: picks. You what saw that happen was... with Seattle. You saw right. The same what thing. does the
2: roster start to look like? We saw it with the New England Patriots as well. Yeah. So mm. um, it, it, it's it's really interesting the way they've team built. And, and I would love to know a deeper. And it sucks because teams are so secretive about the draft. But I would like to know a lot more about the 49ers process and and how they've been so historically good or if it's just been dumb luck with their hit rates in different rounds.
1: Yeah, I like that. Um, this is not a question for me, but I have to ask it because Derek brought it up. I have no choice here, Brian. Uh, when is BD Peacock coming out for a rush road trip, man?
2: Uh, I'll tell you when. Sometime during the 2023 season.
1: Oh, that's what's up, man. Uh, because you, you'll you attend a couple local games, right? Yeah, uh, I've I've
2: been to less and less games. I've been doing a lot of daddy daycare at home. So working from home has been a blessing and it's been rough at the same time because I do get stuck here and I'm uh, I've got to be with my my little dude, which I love and I got to be able to pick him up and take him to school and do all that stuff in between podcasts. And and so it's harder for me to get away Um But I think this year, this season, especially with my son going into kindergarten, we're going to have a little bit better school situation where I can get a little freed up on, you know, like Mondays, especially if I'm doing a trip out of town Sunday, Monday, something like that. Um, And I also really like being able to podcast immediately from here, my studio, after the games. So sometimes in reality the way i do it as a podcaster it benefits me more to be home during the games than actually at the stadium watching the games and unfortunately just the way that stadiums are built these days and the way teams are covered you know there was no way for teams to know when they're building stadiums that they needed to build 12 podcast studios little yep. podcast closets for the beat writers and and the folks to to do podcasts because they didn't see that coming you know so it's great to write a story at the stadium and be there and get audio uh but for me it's actually better to be home and be able
1: to hop on live right away and do a podcast after watching the broadcast of it. I get that, man. Uh, usually I've, I'm a couple beers deep and walking in a mob of people as I got yes. my cell phone going and people are jumping on you and whatever else. It it, it creates an interesting atmosphere, but I totally understand. And man, we've had Croc out to quite a few of our things. It seems like he's a maid stay, which is awesome. Uh, but it would be wonderful to kind of have a beer and party with you a little bit. I know everybody wants to meet you, uh, the celebrity that is Brian. But um, Brian, before we jump out of here, I just want to say thank you for your time. Go ahead and man pump your stuff because good lord um is this your third or fourth show today I'm curious Uh
2: this is four for me I did a, an extra one <laughs> earlier as well so yeah uh it's it's fun yeah, best, man. Man. man doing the daily podcast thing on the Locked On Podcast Network is here six for me at Locked On which is crazy uh seeing this thing grow and and, and building it into such a big podcast with locked on 49ers so i'm doing locked on 49ers every day you can find it five days a week in the morning in your podcast feeds you can find us on youtube as well and then i'm doing the peacock and williamson nfl show daily on the locked on podcast network myself and matt williamson he's the former he's a former nfl scout scout with the browns college scout as well um former ESPN writer you probably remember some of his work and actually some of his uh, podcast stuff way back in the day in the early days of podcasting there was a podcast it was like the it was like the only podcast about the NFL was called NFL Today or something like that I can't remember what it was called but uh back in the the 2000s when they were doing podcasts the mid-2000s when when the podcast game was much different than it is now and, and unmonetizable uh he was doing podcast game at uh, at ESPN and he also does work with the Steelers. Now he covers the Steelers and, and does work at Steelers.com. So Matt Williamson and I cover the entire NFL every day on the locked on podcast. Network. It's one
1: of my go-tos, man. It's, it's, oh, it's I appreciate good, it. Good work is all by the
2: way. So most people watch you on YouTube and love your YouTube show. So anybody out there, make sure you go subscribe to our YouTube channels, especially the Peacock and Williamson show, brand new YouTube channel. We used to be oh. under the, the locked on NFL umbrella umbrella. Now we're just
1: on the Peacock and Williamson YouTube channel. You got that contract restructure and you're like branding, baby. I love it. <laughs> well deserved,
2: man. To get from under the umbrella.
1: That's right, man. I love it. Well, Brian, you are incredible. Thank you so much for your time and all you do for the community. Uh, that's going to do it for us. Go listen to all of his shows. He's the best there is. And until next time, stay strong, faithful.
0: Time for the 49ers rush podcast.